At the end of school, would you be interested in going to Europe with me and traveling through Europe for about two and a half months via a URL pass? And at first I looked to Dave and I said, well, gosh, that's easy for you. You already have a job lined up. You know what your future is going to be. And I need to essentially finish out school, get home and find a job because I don't have one at this point. Dave turned to me and he said, look, here's what I want to tell you. A job will come. I guarantee that for you. But this opportunity to go through Europe and see all of these wonderful places, cultures and cities won't be there once you start working. And to be honest with you, Dave was absolutely right. So at the end of our senior year, about two weeks after graduation, Dave and I were on a plane together, leaving outside of New York City, headed over to England to spend about two and a half months year railing through Europe. Sidebar, for some of you that are younger, word of encouragement to you is don't miss out on those opportunities if they are presented to you. It was a wonderful time and a wonderful experience. One of the places that we visited was the city of Florence, Italy. Some of you might have been there. It is absolutely stunning. It is, in and of itself, a piece of artwork. Traveling into the center of the city, you get to the Duomo, which is a stunning building, and you see all of the architecture that is there. But probably one of the most renowned aspects that is there is Michelangelo's David. How many of you have ever had an opportunity to look either at the statue via a picture or in person? It is an absolute masterpiece. This solid chunk of marble stands about 14 feet tall. And to be honest with you, as you view it, it is almost as if a live individual has painted himself in the color of white and is doing one of those silent mimes and at any moment could reach out and touch you. It took Michelangelo almost three years to complete this masterpiece. Essentially, he was commissioned by the city council to create David, and the original desire was that it was going to go high atop a cupola on the main city cathedral. However, once it was revealed, the townspeople and the city council deemed it so beautiful that they decided that it couldn't go up high. It had to be viewed close up. And so for several hundred years, it actually uh, stayed in the main plaza of the city of Florence. However, after a period, it was moved actually into the inside of the museum of where it now stands, and a replica of David was placed outside. To be honest with you, when you look at David and you look at the hands, you can see the veins in his arm, in his hand, and it's almost as if blood is pulsating through it. It is unbelievable to look at. In fact, this is what an individual, Gregorio Vasari, said about David back in the uh, early aspect of seeing its creation. He said, for in it, may be seen most beautiful contours of legs with attachments of limbs and slender outlines of flanks that are divine. Nor has there ever been seen a pose so easy or any grace to equal that in his work or feet, hands, and heads so well in accord, one member with another, 
in harmony, design, and excellence of artistry. Several of us recognize that if we've ever taken an art class or if we're ever speaking of art, obviously Michelangelo's David is sort of the piece de resistance when we talk about sculpting. People say that it is an incredible creation. However, interestingly enough, when individuals went to David and said, David, how did you create this? This, or sorry, Michelangelo, how did you create this? This was Michelangelo's response. The sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. It's already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. Interestingly enough, that was Michelangelo's quote about how he created David. Which brings up an interesting question for all of us this morning that I ask of all of us. Do I, do we, have the ability to create? This morning we are going to be studying a wonderful treasure of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as well as an important doctrine about God. We're going to be learning about the idea that God is self-existent and he is the God of infinite creativity. We've asked this question, do I have the ability to create? And what I would like to start off with this morning for all of us is this idea, and I pose this to all of us, that God, God is the only one who has the ability to create. We simply synthesize or rearrange material. If you have your Bibles with you, I would ask that we would just open them up right to the beginning. We're going to read essentially the first aspect of Scripture, which is Genesis 1.1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's an important aspect for all of us to understand and recognize, that as we enter into Scripture, as we enter into God's holy word, essentially God's revelation to us about the plan of salvation of mankind, about who he is, about what he has done, is doing, and will do in our lives, as well as about his plan for the kingdom of God, it starts off with that statement. Now, why is that important? Let's unpack this for a minute. In the beginning, God. Think about that for a minute. When we read that statement, we recognize that there was a beginning. We recognize that there was a start to what we know and see. But we also recognize the subject of that statement, God, already pre-exists. So what does that mean? It means that in the beginning, the beginning of us, the beginning of what we then read, the heavens and the earth, there was already a pre-existent being who is God. And then also it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We then continue to read on and we recognize that he created all of the other aspects that we see in creation. And this will become extremely important for us in a moment to recognize that in reality, friends, God is the only one who has the ability to create. 
And in a moment, my prayer for us is as we discover this fact that our worship of him as creator will be enhanced as we recognize the joy of his creation and the fact that we, we are mere stewards of what God has given. We are not creators of it. Why is that important? Friends, sometimes we can become so engrossed in our own pride and in our own ability that we begin to think that we own what we have created. I've created my job. I am a good athlete because I have created it. I have created my wealth. I have created this church. I have and continue to insert we bring about ownership on these things when we recognize that as in a moment we're going to discover we've created nothing. God is the one who has created all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. The concept that I'm talking about here is a theological concept known as creation ex nihilo. It's an important doctrine, which just essentially means creation from nothing. Ex nihilo is Latin for from nothing. The term creation, ex nihilo, refers to God creating everything from nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. Prior to that moment, there was nothing God didn't make the universe from pre-existing building blocks. He started it from scratch. So what does that mean? Friends, this morning it means that what we see, what we have, what we know, what we perceive, all the way from the smallest micro to the biggest, broadest uh, expanse of the universe... God is the one who created it from nothing. Moving forward, what does this mean? Well, reading more about the aspect of creation ex nihilo, this is what we can discover. By what means did God accomplish the feat of creation ex nihilo? By his speech. Can you imagine... Can you imagine if we were so fortunate to be at creation? To see the moment where from nothing, a pre-existent, eternal, sovereign God said, I speak into existence, the heavens and the earth. I speak into existence, humanity. I speak into existence the animals, mammals, all the aspects that exist, all that you will know, and I do it simply by my word. God is the one who has created all. Augustine called this the divine imperative or fiat. God spoke the words, let there be. Genesis 1.3, Genesis 1.6, and Genesis 1.14, meaning there must be, and things appeared. 
Friends, interesting enough, sometimes we look at obviously magicians that do these wonderful magic tricks, and it would appear that out of, so, of nothing, something appears. But we all begin to recognize and know that really it is just sleight of hand. Can you imagine right now if God was before us and by his breath he began to create David? He didn't need, doesn't need, a pre-existing block of marble as excellent as Michelangelo's David is. He doesn't need to chip away at it. He can create it out of nothing. Ex nihilo. That's God. And friends, that's important for us to see because what it does is it begins to put us in place. It begins to help us understand just how glorious God is. By the power of his word and his sovereign efficacious will, God can make things happen simply by decree. Let there be. Creation ex nihilo. Interestingly enough, how many of you are uh, individuals that are interested in uh, physics? Anybody out there? Maybe just get done with a physics class? Anybody remember the law of conservation of mass? Matter cannot be created or destroyed. It is a physical fact. We cannot create matter nor destroy it. Yet God did when he created the heavens and the earth. Creation ex nihilo. So what does this mean? Well, we've asked this question, do I have the ability to create? We've looked at Michelangelo's David. We've talked and we've seen individuals come forward and say, Michelangelo, that's such an amazing creation. Yet Michelangelo, whether he knew it or not, answered in the absolute most correct way. I just rearranged what was already there. I just saw the form. I just manipulated the structure into what already exists. I didn't create it. Jen Wilkins says this, we are all hacks, arrangers of someone else's palette of colors, wavelengths and building blocks. The most creative human you know is a ripoff artist. Shamelessly, gleefully, rearranging and recombining existing materials into new forms. No one has ever truly created anything. No one, that is, except God. Friends, my prayer for us this morning as we look and as we examine this idea of God being creator, it should do some things to us. It should cause us, number one, to recognize and realize just how amazing God is. Because the reality is, is God is the only creator. He is the only one who has the ability to create something from nothing. We only rearrange. We only redesign. We only restructure. And why is that important? 
Because earlier you might have noticed that I mentioned that oftentimes when we do things, when we put our effort to things, we begin to rob God of his ownership of them. We begin to say to ourselves, well, look at what I've done. Look at the church that I have built. Look at the wealth that I have amassed. Look at the company that I have designed. Look at the family that I have created. And all of those things are wonderful, please hear me, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't work toward them, that we shouldn't aspire to those things. However, friends, this morning what I'm here to tell you is we've created nothing. We've simply stewarded that which God has given us. Because friends, may I tell you something? God has created us in His image. And as much as we think that we are our own gods, what we come to know is what? At the end of our lives, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. We have been simply merely rearranged to live in this life. Interestingly enough too, friends, what's also important to see well, I have created my own salvation. I figured God out. I have ascended to a place of intellectual ability. I have done enough to gain God's credit. Friends, we're dead in our sins. We have no life. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we become a what? New creation. New creation. God is the one who creates, because God is creator of all. We are simply merely rearranging material, redesigning what already exists. We praise God for our salvation because it is all credited to him who has created it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. God is creator. We are not. Oftentimes, sometimes we think through and we say, but what about this? What about that? And what we do when we begin to think that we've created it, we begin to move in this idea of pride and selfish arrogance. We begin to hold on to those things which we believe that we have created. And what we do is, is we begin to move toward the aspect of being our own God. And that can remove us from deep fellowship with him. Interesting enough, we've asked this question of, do I have the ability to create? And I've stated before that God is the only one who has the ability to create. We simply synthesize or rearrange material. And now we've moved to this aspect of saying, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what if I've done this? Or what if I've built this? What aspect do I have in this? And friends, what I want to tell you is this, that when we replace ourselves with God's unique ability to create, things can get messy. Because we believe that we own it. We believe that we are our own gods. We become God. Friends, one of the things that I'm going to say is simply this. If we truly understand the aspect and the true doctrine of creation ex nihilo, well, lovingly, what I want to come before you and say is this, that if anyone has ever experienced an abortion... I want to tell you that we love you and we care about you. You are not condemned. 
However, when we begin to understand that we are not God, we are not the creator of life, nor should we be the taker of it, that is a huge aspect to back up the sanctity of human life. Please hear me, I'm not here to condemn, I'm not here to judge, but when the church and when people understand that God is the creator, God is the owner of all things, we begin to properly put things into perspective and recognize that we own nothing and we should not play God. Friends, the other thing that's interesting too is this. We can mess things up entirely in our own lives. I'm the one. I'm the one who's created this family. I'm the one who's created this job. I'm the one who owns these things. And interestingly enough, we look at that and we say, well, what could happen if we become too prideful? One of the things that I would like to ask you to do is turn with me in your Bibles if you have them with you. If not, these words will appear on the screen. We're going to be taking a look at a passage in Daniel chapter 4. And we're going to see an individual who in his own pride, in his own arrogance, in his own ability, began to look around. And as powerful as he was, he got to a point where he began to say, all of what there is, I am the one. I, Nebuchadnezzar, am the one who has created this. And all of what I have done must therefore move forward and worship me. We don't do that, do we? Friends, I want to ask you right now, think through your family, your job, your finances, whatever it is that you possess. And lovingly, what I want to tell you is this, that all that you have been given, all that you have has been gifted to you by God. Because God is the one who has created you. God is the one who has created your gifts and your talents. God is the one who has granted you the ability to do whatever it is. God is the one who has blessed you with your family. God is the one who has given you your beautiful children. And they are a wonderful creation. But we are not the creator. We are simply stewards of what God has created. Nebuchadnezzar moves forward and he says, I'm the one that's done this. I am the one that can do these things. Look at me and let me show you how great I am. And interestingly enough, we fall into scripture in Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not the great Babylon, or is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Obviously, I'm putting emphasis there. It's all about me. Talk about a bad day. The words were still on his lips when a voice from heaven said, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. We're going to continue in the story for a minute, but I just want to pause for a moment. Thank you, God, for your love, mercy, and grace when I become prideful. Can you imagine... If I'm driving down the road and I look and I go, man, look at this awesome church that I have created. Look at all of what I have done. And then all of a sudden God interrupts me 
and says, oh, no, by the way, this is what's going to occur to you. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not Nebuchadnezzar, and thank you for your patience with me. Because just as Nebuchadnezzar says this, God interrupts. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Moo. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdom of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Wow. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Interesting change, isn't it? His dominion is an eternal dominion. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the people of earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that uh, my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne before, uh, and, and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the glory of the King of Heaven, because everything He does is right, and all His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. Friends, this is a true story of what happened to an individual who did mighty things, but in doing mighty things began to become prideful, began to think that what was being done was because of his own ability, his own talent, his own giftedness, and it moved him to a position of self-exaltation to where he began to replace himself for God. I want to ask you a question. Where in your life maybe have you placed things and put yourself as Nebuchadnezzar rather than allowing God to be the one who is sovereign over all that he has given to you? One of the things that I am just overjoyed about is the opportunity to pastor this congregation. It has and it continues to be a wonderful blessing. It's amazing that just a few weeks ago I celebrated 18 years of pastoring this church. But the reality of it is is that God is the one who has done all things. I have just been fortunate enough to steward this church. And someday, probably to the detriment of some of you and to the praise of others, I will move on. But God is the one who will continue his church, of which Faith Bible Church is merely just a part. And someday, 
Perfectly like I've said, in and around 102, I'll be skiing down somewhere in Jackson, and God will take me home, and ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. I've created nothing. We've only stewarded it. God is the creator of all things. We look at Nebuchadnezzar, and it's such a wonderful story, because what God does is he looks and he says, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, you think you have the ability to do these things? I'm just going to take a minute here. I'm going to just interrupt, and I'm going to demonstrate to you that all that you have done is by my sovereign hand. I am the one who has allowed you to prosper. And I am also the one who can immediately take away all of your prosperity and all of your creation because I am the one who owns all. Interestingly enough, we read that passage about what? God is the owner of what? However many cattle on however many hills, right? We look at that and we say, well, God owns them. That is true. But our initial thought is to think, well, God owns them because he bought them. No, God owns them because he created them. And when we look at that, we begin to realize just how glorious God is. And we also begin to realize just how small we are. And friends, that's a good thing. Because what that does is it enables us to bring glory to our king, the creator, maker, and sustainer of all. Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way. Don't be a Nebuchadnezzar. The other thing that I want to share with you is this. Interestingly enough, often we replace ourselves with God's unique ability to create and things can get messy. Friends, what I'm going to tell you lovingly, and I don't mean to scare us, but the more that our nation, the more that people turn from God, the more that they think that we can do it without him, the uglier things are going to get. It's just a fact of reality. And so my prayer for all of us at the church is to be a lighthouse to our community, to those around us, and say, hey, we're here. We care about you. We love you because Christ loves us, but we want to tell you this, that the reality is, is God is the one who's created all that we have. And therefore, we must rightfully steward that which God has given. And when we take ownership... When we remove God from the equation, things get messy. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, Man is a created being, a derived and contingent self, who of himself possesses nothing, but is dependent each moment for his existence upon the one who created him after his own likeness. The fact of God, don't miss this, the fact of God is necessary to the fact of man. Friends, don't ever fall for the lie, I think, therefore, I am. You think because you were created by the creator. Think God away and man has no ground of existence. 
friends, we look at this and we begin to think, do I have the ability to create? And please hear me, there are wonderful, talented people out there. And there are wonderful individuals who are artists, musicians, builders, architects, singers, pastors, builders, family uh, stewards, all of those things. And they are wonderful and they are beautiful. But friends, we have created nothing. And when we replace ourselves with God's unique ability to create, things can get messy because what we do is we become prideful like Nebuchadnezzar and we hold on to those things and we begin to remove God from the equation. I want you to take a moment and I just want to pause on this before we move forward to the next aspect that I pray would encourage our hearts as we look at the glory of our creator. And that is simply this. I've asked before, but I want you to examine in your heart right now, what in your life, what in your life do you hold on to and possess as ownership because you feel that you are the one who has created it? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it a ministry? Is it a church? Is it your wealth? Is it your athletic talent? Is it your artistic expertise? Is it your musical ability? Is it something that hasn't been mentioned, but you're holding on to? And friends, what I want to tell you is this, is that as wonderful as that is, those abilities are been given to you and gifted to you by God to steward, because God is the one who has what? Created you. And not only has he created you, he has created you in his image. My prayer for us this morning as we look at this and we begin to recognize just how amazing God is, the fact that he is the one who is creator. But not only is he the one who is creator, he is the only one who has the ability to create something from nothing. We begin to recognize our position in the world. We begin to recognize our place in the world and we begin to exalt God as our creator we begin to realize just how amazing it is and we begin to realize that everything that we have, everything that we've been given, we are simply stewards of. We are simply holding on to that which God has given. And so here's what I want to tell us, that when we embrace God as creator and our role as steward, our worship of him abounds. When we begin to realize truly just how amazing God is, like Nebuchadnezzar, when God humbles him, when God demonstrates to him, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, all that you've done, I have granted, and I have the ability to grant just as much as I have the ability to take away, and Nebuchadnezzar is running around like a cow eating grass, and God says, you're going to do this for a while. And then God also says, okay, now that you have essentially learned your lesson, I am going to exalt you back to where you were. But not only am I going to exalt you back to where you were, I'm going to exalt you even higher than you were. You're going to recognize that I am the one who is doing these things, not you. And clearly enough, we see Nebuchadnezzar turn and say, all that I have, all that I have been given, all of my accomplishments have been granted by the one who is the sovereign king, the maker of heaven and earth. And P.S., by the way, don't be a Nebuchadnezzar, because what I've learned is 
those who walk in pride, he, God, is able to humble. And so friends, may we walk in humility. May we walk in grace. May we walk in the ability of recognizing that yes, may we work hard. May we do what we need to do to accomplish those things. But all that we've been given, even our precious family, even those whom we love the most, we have been given by the granting of God who is the creator. And we steward them. We do not own them. Because we have not created them. It all flows back to this doctrine of creation ex nihilo, which is so fundamental for us to grasp and recognize because it centers us on the creator and it moves us to stewardship. When we embrace God as creator and our role as steward, our worship of him abounds. Interestingly enough, from the beginning of scripture to the end of scripture, we find ourselves moving. We start at Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. We move to Revelation chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 11, and this is what it says. You are worthy, O Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Tied up in a nice little bow wrapped up for us as a gift given to us bookend to bookend in the beginning God created and we see the path of God's restoration of mankind through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the scriptures, over the centuries, through all 66 books of the Bible, written by different authors at different times in different cultures, all tying together the common thread that God is the one. God is the one who moves. God is the one who creates. God is the one who redeems. God has created by his will. God has given by his will. God has created our salvation by his will. All to him I owe. You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Friends, do we have the ability to create no, we do not. But we have the ability to worship the <coughs> creator. And in that, may that bring glory and honor to him. And may that rightly place us where we should be, recognizing that what we have is mere stewardship of what has been granted. If you don't remember anything else, if, if days are busy, this is what I want to leave you with this morning, and that is simply this. God creates. God creates. We steward that which God has given us. When we embrace this truth, our worship of him abounds. All that we have, all that we've been given, all that we will be given, all that we have been granted is a gift from God. And friends, let's be grateful for it. 
Let's be grateful for what God has given us. He's given us life. He's given us breath. He's given us the ability to think and to move. He's given us the ability to have families. He's given us the ability to love other individuals. He's given us the ability to tell people about him. He's given us the ability to be part of his kingdom. He's given us the ability to move from death to life through the greatest gift of all, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all those things we can so easily take for granted when we begin to grasp onto our own aspects of what we think we own because we think we've created it. When we release to God that he is creator of all and we are mere stewards, that enables us, like Nebuchadnezzar, to worship him properly as we should. Jen Wilkins says this, all worship is owed to God not because he demands it, although he rightly does. Think about that for a minute. God doesn't demand it, but he rightly does. But because he made us. He made us. He is our origin. And anything good that we build or accomplish or create originates not in us, but in him. Friends, do we have the ability to create? Well, we've discovered that God is the only one who has the ability to create. We only synthesize or rearrange material. We've also begun to discover that when we replace ourselves with God's unique ability to create, things can get messy. But yet, when we embrace God as creator and our role as steward, our worship of him abounds. And so with that, I leave you this morning with this wonderful aspect of recognizing just how glorious our God is. May we remember that God creates. We steward that which God has given us. And when we embrace this truth, our worship of him abounds. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come before you. We just thank you for you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your character. Lord, as we continue to kind of discover these aspects of who you are and what you're all about, we continue to pray that what would this do to our hearts is that it would draw us closer to you. But not only in drawing us closer to you, that our worship of you would continue to grow. Father, when we look at the fact that you are the one who has created all, you are the one who only has the ability to create something out of nothing, the idea of ex nihilo, that we recognize just how amazing you are. Father, thank you that in your creation, you included us as being created, but not only thank you in including us as being created, you have created us in your image. So Father, as we move to you, as we look to you, as we worship you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I pray that our hearts would drive, drive more deeply toward you, so that in so doing, we would not become our own self-existence God, but rather we would worship the God who is our creator. And that in that, we would be salt and light to the world that is around us. We thank you we love you. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus, and we ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and all God's children say, amen.